2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's
3: joy
4: in every journey. Ah, Welcome back to It Could Happen Here, the podcast that is occasionally introduced competently as it sort of was today, uh, because our guest today is someone who is very near and dear uh, to me and to, like... Almost every other person that I know and work with, <laughs> um, Moira Meltzer Cohen. Moira, you are a lawyer uh, uh, focusing on civil rights and movement kind of cases, uh, and you are the lawyer of yeah, like every everybody I respect in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you're the person that I text whenever I need to know, hey, w- was this a crime um or <laughs> it never is, <laughs> and it never is uh I'm w- w- law abiding very law abiding <laughs> um, and uh yeah, we wanted to have you on both because you're always a breath of sunshine and because um there's some like law stuff happening these days. We just had um our mutual friend Molly Conjure on to talk about the Charlottesville case, which is. Quite a thing. Uh, today was the day. Yeah, today today had
5: some had some moments.
4: Chris Cantwell and Richard Spencer representing themselves separately, each cross-examining each other.
3: I have so many thoughts, but mostly my thoughts involve laughing. So.
4: Yeah, it's very very funny. It's 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 the funniest of a of an incredibly tragic and infuriating situation. Something fine funny finally happened. Um, so at least there's Chris that is
3: often very funny in spite of himself. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um, I would love one day to just get you on and do a we can do a reading of some of Chris Cantwell's better legal filings. Um, oh, he's got has quite the legal mind.
3: <laughs> Robert, I, I think I maybe didn't ever tell you about the fact that we we. Um, Did a Purim spiel, which is a performance of the story of Esther. um, Oh my God! (laughs) Traditionally done at Purim, which is a Jewish holiday, Mm -hmm. um, and it was based on the complaint that he filed.
4: Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) For
3: those of you who are, Witter the Third was prominently featured in the role of Haman.
4: For those of you who don't know, Chris Cantwell, the crying Nazi from the Unite the Right rally, has been incarcerated for a year or so now um, and continues to put out his own legal motions, generally handwritten, um, alleging all kinds of conspiracies from the people who did not call the FBI and admit to committing several crimes.
5: (laughs) Yeah, we should we should absolutely absolutely do a crossover with Daniel Harper um, and Moira to discuss Cantwell's uh, legal genius
4: but but today Moira we wanted to have you on because there is another case that uh a lot of folks are rightly concerned about because it has some pretty dire implications depending yeah. on how it goes in a number of ways uh the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse um for the i mean everyone knows Kyle Rittenhouse took a gun illegally across state lines to a protest so he might have the chance to shoot people um and then shot people this is my opinion about what happened obviously the legal case is unfolding um, uh, there's been a lot of talk online on, on Twitter and whatnot about how obviously unfair the judge is being, this is what the talk on Twitter is about. And it's because of a couple of things. One is that the judge, and and again, I'm, before I, I cut, I go to you, Moira, I'm, I'm just explaining kind of the way the discourse has been. The discourse has stated like, well, the judge said, uh, you can't call Kyle, you can't call the people that he killed victims, uh, but you can call the people that he killed looters and arsonists. Um, And so people are saying, look at this very clear example of how how bad the justice system is. Um, And I wanted to bring you on for a number of reasons, including the fact that, like, there's a lot of stuff that seems fucked up and, in fact, is fucked up, you could argue, but is also like like pretty normal justice system stuff and some stuff that seems fucked up but actually isn't. This is not I'm not necessarily talking about the Rittenhouse case here, just in general. when we talk about the law. So I guess I I wanted to have you on t- to explain to us what's happening in, in your opinion and how normal, abnormal, good, bad are kind of the things that we're seeing, the decisions we're seeing this judge make um, in this case so far.
3: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the trial, um, I think when you asked me to mm-hmm. comment on this, um, the trial had not started. Uh, the trial has now started. It has been Characterized by the defense saying the N word, a juror yep. being Hard R. <laughs> yeah. the juror this morning, I think, was dismissed uh, for making a cruel and nakedly racist joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently the judge had a fit of pique about the media's response to his evidentiary rulings, which are what you've asked me to come mm-hmm. discuss, um, which is itself actually one of the more unusual things about this. <laughs> how this trial is going um it's always a little bit hard for me to opine on a case that is not my case um i feel tentative about it um this would never be my case cuz i would not represent a white supremacist and i am not a prosecutor mm-hmm. uh, and would never be a prosecutor and i was not able to look at the briefing uh because although all of the briefing was ostensibly publicly filed. It is not actually publicly available. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with the clerk of court in Kenosha, who told me that if I mailed her a request, she would fax me the briefing at $1. twenty-five a page. And I said, thank you very much, goodbye. <laughs> um, so I'll do my best to speak to these rulings. Um, and the sort of larger issues as I see them. Um, as you noted, there've been a lot of kind of salacious headlines about the evidentiary yeah. rules in this case. Um, and I think those headlines are really, they're less about what's actually happening in the case and they're more reflective of the sort of pearl clutching um, liberal impulse to, to notice the totally self-evident hypocrisy of the legal system. Uh, and then to conclude that because certain groups are shown more leniency, the way to resolve this hypocrisy is to make sure everyone is pleased and prosecuted and punished as viciously as the left is, which is <laughs> not actually the goal that I have. Um, yeah. And just to clarify, when I when I talk about liberals, uh, as I as I will probably do a little bit, um, I don't mean like. I mean, liberal as opposed to radical, Um, people who are more or less okay with the underlying big systems uh, like capitalism and white supremacy and heteropatriarchy, and like maybe are more concerned with the iterations of those things that are particularly gauche, but they don't actually mind the systems themselves or the way that those systems are reiterated and. enforced by, for example, the American criminal legal system. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the kind of liberal read on these rulings is not only not legally sound, um, I think it's actually incredibly dangerous. And it's watching this unfold and watching the liberal commentary on it, I think is one of the things, it's one of the ways that I can really see liberal, liberals and liberalism losing credibility um because because they're sort of calling out this hypocrisy and at the same time there's a little bit of a double standard that they want to um that they want to propose and enforce. Um so okay so I'll talk about the rulings that you discussed. Um the first one is that the judge um said that the prosecution is not allowed to refer to the people that were in house killed as victims. Um, I will remind you as I remind all of my clients continuously, um, that the law is at best adjacent to common sense understandings of justice and uh, even, frankly, common sense understandings of reality. Um, Obviously, the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed were victims. um, But as my beloved colleague, Sandy, reminded me, the concept of victimhood, the status of victimhood is among the things that needs to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt at this trial. Yeah. Right. Um, and so in in fact, this is a totally straightforward ruling. Yeah. It is a ruling that I would argue for as a defense attorney and yeah. that I would expect to win were I trying a murder case. So, you know. Yeah. This
4: is- it, it's one of those things like you have to overcome this. This You have to overcome when you're thinking about a trial, like the fact that you know he's guilty, because the point of a trial is that everyone, like, there's a process, right? We don't just do street justice, because that's what Rittenhouse did. Um, like, we're, we're, you, you have to, like, I, I, one of the, it is troubling to me the extent that people are like, well, he, he should be presumed, like, We should be referring to the people he shot as victims before he has been adjudicated as guilty because, like, that's that's important. Like the presumption of innocence matters. And it's 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 also something that's very unfair. Like there's a a person in Portland, uh, Alexander Dial, who got in trouble for taking a hammer out of a Nazi's hand during a rally. Um, and has been charged with several felonies. And because his trial kept getting delayed, spent two and a half years under pretrial conditions. So the presumption of innocence is hardly equal, but it is important.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, uh, we'll talk about this, I think, uh, in a little bit, but that's exactly the issue, right, is that um, we need to be enforcing the equal application of the presumption of innocence, not being you know, rapidly going after the right in the same way that we are used to uh law enforcement and the judiciary going after the left. Um, the other ruling that the judge made, um which you mentioned, was that he said that the defense is authorized to characterize the people that Rittenhouse killed as looters or rioters if there is evidence presented that they were in fact looting and/or rioting. Yeah. I would, if I were you know, in this case, which, of course, I'm not, I would object to this on the grounds that it is prejudicial and bullshit. Mm -hmm. And
4: um, (laughs) it's fucked up and bullshit. Yeah.
3: Yes. That Mm -hmm. said, I am not super surprised by that ruling. Um, I would say it's likely within the sound discretion of the judge. And if, you know, and if the prosecution disagrees, it's a matter for appeal. Um, You know, I think um, one of the things the judge said about this, actually, that I think is really important and correct, um, is, is that he has, uh, a tremendous amount of discretion in making evidentiary rulings. Um, one of the rulings he made was that he's admitting, uh, the testimony of an expert witness, um, which, you know, I think a lot of people are also quite upset about, um, But that said, again, this is not that unusual. And it's very difficult for him to deny that um, motion to have his evidence or his testimony admitted because the prosecution routinely uses use of force experts in similar trials. Um, So now we're they're just on the other side of the table. Yeah. Um, So, you know, first of all, I get that these rulings don't make us feel good um, but they aren't that strange. And as I said, the judge has tremendous discretion in these matters. Um, I was thinking about how to illustrate this and it occurred to me that I think the last time I was on one of your podcasts, uh, you asked me whether cocaine was illegal.
4: Yeah. Uh, and... what are, where are we landing on that by the way?
5: <laughs> so um, I think the for... first
3: time you asked me, I was a total killjoy mm-hmm. and was like, of course it's illegal, Robert. Um, But if I'd actually taken your question more seriously, I think a better answer probably would have been nobody knows Um, for precisely this reason, Um, because the real question is not what the law says. The real question is uh, how or whether or against whom or to what degree and under what circumstances will that law be enforced? And right. These are always open questions and arguments and judges have a ton of power. This case is no exception. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, not only are these rulings pretty standard, but they're, I think within the judge's discretion, some of them, I really dislike some of them make total sense to me. Um, and I think that what is happening is, is not necessarily sound legal analysis But liberals sort of trying to argue that Rittenhouse should be more harshly prosecuted um, by saying that these specific rulings are unfair or unusual.
4: It's a little bit like the the liberals crying out now because people are putting like, let's go, Brandon, on printing it on rifle receivers and saying like, well, the the Secret Service should investigate. Well, if they do that, then some then like 30 P if they do that and like one company gets a fine. 40 people are going to go to prison
5: for having red flags on their body armor. Like yep. that's Absolutely. the way it works in this country. The, the exactly right thing. Yeah, yeah. Any, yeah. any anarchist with a 3d printer is going to immediately go to jail. Yeah. yeah that's not <laughs> like.
3: That is correct.
5: Yeah.
2: Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
3: Yeah, so I I guess the thing that I want to point out here is that what is actually unusual about this case is not these rulings. It is that Rittenhouse is going to trial at all. Mm -hmm. And the reason Rittenhouse is going to trial, is able to go to trial, is largely because this prosecution is fundamentally calculated not to be repressive. Um, So I want to kind of zoom out and get away from the weeds of these (laughs) evidentiary rulings. Um, So in its simplest expression, when we talk about the difference between state and federal jurisdiction, we're saying kind of... um, jurisdiction for dummies, uh, overly simplified, is stuff that happens inside or only impacts a given state is typically prosecuted by the state. And if it impacts, if your offense conduct or alleged offense conduct impacts more than one state, um, then it is or can be prosecuted by the Federal Department of Justice. So Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines with a pretty serious firearm and he mm-hmm. shot three people. This puts us immediately into federal jurisdiction land. Um he did this in the context of an uprising for racial justice that has been characterized by the fact that those rising up on the side of racial justice have been subject to intense repression by the federal government. Uh DOJ has shown themselves to be fire breathingly enthusiastic about yeah. exercising their jurisdiction over heady offenses um, based on totally tenuous grounds um, for people on the left or who are perceived to be on the left. Um, DOJ has asserted jurisdiction in order to prosecute people for um, absolutely trivial but politically motivated offenses that would be left to the state to prosecute absent the politics of the accused. Um, They have asserted federal jurisdiction on really flimsy bases, like that a local police building or vehicle um, belongs to a department that has received federal funding, so property damage against it becomes a federal offense. One thing they're doing that is unusual is the federal government is asserting concurrent jurisdiction to prosecute offenses. So I know there's someone in Portland um, who is uh, simultaneously being prosecuted by Multnomah and also the federal yeah. government um, for allegedly throwing some accelerant on a police building. Um, right. So it is very curious that Rittenhouse who quite clearly did something that would, you know, fall under federal jurisdiction is not being federally charged. And it matters a lot for how the case proceeds um, because The way that federal prosecutions operate uh, is that the feds will typically stack these indictments um, in a way that really puts tremendous pressure on them to plead guilty, um, which is not typically the case, or doesn't happen in the same way in a state prosecution. So um, you have these stacked indictments with multiple, multiple counts, um, ranging, you know, all all kinds of conduct, um, often involving, you know, a conspiracy, which can be very, very easy to prove. Um, And a guilty finding on any of those counts could be like a mandatory minimum of five to 10 years. And then if you're looking at, um, you know, a guilty on more than one or all of those counts, you're looking at a sentence, potentially concurrent sentences that are tantamount to dying in prison, right? And so this creates tremendous pressure on federal defendants to negotiate a pretrial disposition to take a guilty plea. Um, so again, Kyle Rittenhouse crosses state lines with this firearm, which gets used in the in the commission of an act of violence. And I feel extremely confident that any federal prosecutor could come up with a stack of counts against him within about 10 minutes without breaking a sweat. Um, But, you know, so, you know, if you think about him being in that position, you think through, okay, if I go to trial, what is, what are likely outcomes? If Kyle Rittenhouse went to trial uh, federally, and even if he prevailed on a self-defense, right, which, which could happen, if he were found guilty on one or more of the lesser charges, he would still be looking at really, really serious time, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's not where we are, right? Um, we are in a really weird place where, like, in a federal context, we wouldn't even be, like, talking about evidentiary rulings because uh, he would almost certainly not be going to trial, right? Yeah, like, it he would be, be a, a, a deal. plea deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, if he had a reasonable lawyer, he would probably be negotiating a plea.
4: I'm curious, what do you think about, because one argument I've heard, and I'm certainly in no position to evaluate this personally, is that if federal charges had been placed on him, you know, when the crime you know, in 2020, Trump would have pardoned him. Um, hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I've heard people argue that, that like, well, at least with the state charges, he can't be pardoned by President Trump. Like, I, I'm in no position to really evaluate that. But I'm, I'm curious what you think about that.
3: I honestly can't even
4: yeah. speculate
3: about yeah. what might have happened. That is very interesting. I I do think that if, the DO, if DOJ wanted to charge him at this point, I mean, not. They I still don't could, they right? It, but yeah. like there, I think, was an opening mm-hmm. uh, for that to happen after Trump left. Yeah. I suspect there is a very interesting FOIA request to be made to DOJ, uh, to see what kind of memo was circulated about whether or not they were going to pick this one up. Uh, they clearly declined to prosecute. Um, I The only thing that I could come up with, to be honest, and I, I looked and did not really see any meaningful discussion of this, of their uh, decision not to prosecute. Um, the only thing that occurred to me is that they might have been reluctant to assert jurisdiction over a minor. Mm. but they can prosecute anyone over the age of 15 as an adult, if they engage in violent crimes or if they are alleged to have engaged in violent crimes. So that's not, it it wouldn't entirely undermine their ability to do so. Um, So, you know, for whatever reason, you know, for whatever reason they didn't, I think it is worth noting. I think it is, as I said, very curious, Um, And it's particularly curious in light of the intense federal repression that has been faced by um, people perceived to be on the left.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Um, You know, so like, again, I want to be very clear. I don't I'm not suggesting that I want him to be federally prosecuted. Um, I I don't particularly I'm not interested in arguing for more prosecutions or for um, making the state the arbiter of political righteousness or um, giving the state more enforcement power or more resources. Um, you know, but, you know, and look, no shade to Kenosha, Wisconsin. All right. But, um, one of the things that, uh, federal prosecutors are really have a lot of experience doing is, um, digital forensic investigations. And, uh, In this case, one of the sort of critical questions is, did he have specific intent to go across state lines and engage in violence? And I suspect that if you were to access all of his texts and metadata and social media posts that you could probably find evidence of that specific intent. And I think that the federal government is probably better positioned to do that than the prosecutors uh, in Kenosha. And they decided not to, right? So, you know, it and and that is exactly the kind of investigation that they mounted against Daniel Baker, who just he's a the yoga teacher in Tallahassee, who just got three and a half years for posting yeah. vague, sort of incoherent, mutually contradictory, kind of not at all frightening.
4: Yeah, uh, I it's not, it, it's not. I wouldn't. They were
3: recommend... characterized as threats, but I, I hesitate to to yeah. repeat that. You know, he posted some stuff on social media and and now he's going to do three years in
4: federal prison. Yeah. I, my attitude on this the the nature of what he posts is that like if prior to his prosecution you had brought that post to me I said well probably not a great idea to post but also literally every week a right winger in the Portland area posts something significantly more action. Well right now Chandler Pappas currently being charged with assaulting six police officers in the state capitol in Salem uh, just announced that he's doing armed training as a convicted felon uh outside of Portland uh later this November. Um, which if he's if he touches a firearm, he should go away to like based on the letter of the law, he should go to prison for years. Like that's the way okay. the law is written. Nothing's gonna happen to him. He's gonna get to train people with guns and continue to carry guns and it's it's fine for him. Um anyway, I whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
5: it's it's just, okay. I yeah.
3: just I guess your your listeners can't see that I have my head yeah. in my hands. So. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I look, what Daniel Baker did was certainly ill-advised. If, yeah, uh, ill-advised is how I
4: would characterize it.
3: Yeah. I have clients who um, have been visited by the Secret Service or have been visited by the FBI for <laughs> saying stuff that when they call me and they're like, well, I just said this. And I'm like, yeah, I know that you're not going to actually do that, but maybe don't. <laughs> you know, it's ill-advised. Yeah, it's it's ill-advised. not. It's ill-advised, but it's protected by the very First Amendment. Mm-hmm. More or less. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've said this before. I don't think the uh, solution to, to um, being surveilled on social media is self censorship. I think it is courage, but I also think that discretion is the better part of valor. So yes,
4: pick yeah. your battles and maybe, yeah. Um, understand that it's not fair, you know? Uh
3: Yeah. And also, like, what do you gain by, you know, being bumptious on the internet?
4: Uh, no, and it's one of those things where, yeah, if that guy had had a high-dollar lawyer, um, if he'd if he'd been a, a rich person, yeah, maybe he would have gotten away with it. Um, who knows? But like, he it's it's he certainly would have gotten. No, I can certainly say he would have gotten away with it if he'd been a right winger because a bunch of them yes. do every single day. Um, yeah.
3: I I can't make any speculation about that particular case, but I can say that the people who are being surveilled intensely and targeted for that kind of repression are not the people on the right. Um, The people on the right are able to make those kinds of statements and not be particularly taken seriously, even when they should be. And people on the left are presumed to be, you know, Antifa super
2: soldiers.
3: Mm. Um, So, you know, I, I think the decision... Not to um, assert federal jurisdiction in the written house case is interesting. It is noteworthy. Yeah, I'm really curious about what was going on there. Um, and it has had a sort of cascade of effects, including, um I doubt that the forensic digital investigation was as good as it would have been had it been federal. Uh, and I doubt that the I mean he's facing multiple charges but I don't think that he would have been as likely to go to trial had he been federally charged. Um, so again, I don't, you know, this is not an argument for more federal prosecution.
4: Yeah, of course.
3: But like, I think the breathless outrage that we're seeing in, you know, these headlines, um, where people are correctly identifying the hypocrisy of the criminal legal system. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's sort of an exercise in point missing. Um, you know, this prosecution, um, like many of the prosecutions that we see or the prosecutions that don't happen at all, um, that involve members of the dominant class or people who uphold the values of the dominant classes, um, is sort of proof of concept that it's possible to effectively allocate the burden of proof to the prosecution, it's possible not to go super hard on people and uh, punish them for exercising their trial, right? Um, right? I mean, it's it's possible to treat all people accused of offenses in this way. Um, and I would much rather, I mean, obviously, my ultimate goal is to uh, dismantle the entire system, you know, yeah. but <laughs> but in the meantime uh i don't think what we need is more vicious prosecution of the right i think we need consistent and commensurate prosecution or lack of prosecution we need a you know uh i think that seeing the way that the right is treated should be evidence for and an argument for the possibility of um treating all people with more leniency, um, rather than, you know, intent, the intense federal repression that, that we are facing and have been facing, you know, since the Palmer raids. Um, so yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Moira, that, uh, is the stuff I wanted to ask about. Is there, uh, anything else? um, that uh i
3: mean sure i i definitely go off on liberals some more
4: (laughs) please um please i mean garrison is a huge fan of of liberals he's got actually a full back tattoo of barack obama and bill clinton but they're they're in the the volleyball scene from top gun um it's an incredible tattoo he did it all freehand on his own back amazing um
3: this is like the Garrison I hope I don't receive Roger any Stones Nixon tattoos. I hope I don't
4: receive <laughs> yes. any
5: awful fan art now. Oh no. Someone
4: someone do it. Come on. Oh, come on. God. Photoshop Garrison's head onto onto Roger Stones back Jesus. and photoshop Nixon's head out and the volleyball no. scene from Top Gun with Bill Clinton and Barack Obama do it. Do this it. Is... Someone's going to do it, Gary. This is
5: workplace abuse. Somebody is definitely going to do it. This
4: is you could sue me for this and you'd be right to do so. Um but <laughs> let's get
5: back to and I might represent you (laughs) (laughs) trial of the trial of the century Yeah. yeah that sounds great
2: Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
3: I think this is a trend that we see with people who are not necessarily focused on looking at the ways that the law is always going to be used, first and worst against the already most vulnerable, right? So we've seen things like, um, I think there's just this very well-documented liberal impulse, and I think it's very well-intentioned, but it's very dangerous um, to do things, to like assume that the system somehow works um, or should work and that it just needs to be like followed more closely. And that if we push for things like, um, if we like use the law to constrain things that I would agree are the most harmful um, excesses of bigotry, right? Yeah. Um, That the law would be a good tool for, um, for addressing violence and bigotry. Yeah. And the law does not, that is not what kind of tool the law is. Um, when we push for things like laws, regulating political speech, including so-called hate speech laws, regulating what are referred to as hate crimes laws, um, regulating who can carry a firearm and Mm -hmm. what they might look like, um, you know, pushes for limiting the, the places or circumstances under which you could protest, um, or demonstrate, right. Um, which, you know, which was done, um, there there was a real big um push to uh forbid uh anti-choice activists from protesting outside of um clinics, right? Which I understand, right? But what mm-hmm. actually is the upshot of doing that? When we see this kind of push to use the law as a tool to enforce a particular political agenda, it is not it, you know, it's it, it's just a very ill-conceived way to approach this um, because the law is never going to protect the most vulnerable. Um, well, these structures of power that uphold yeah. it remain in place, and so you know, it's just always going to be leveraged against the people who have the least amount of power. And and it, so you know, this this sort of response to the written house stuff to me is just essentially um, a recuperation of, of that impulse.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little like that old, I think the joke is attributed to Gandhi. I don't know if Gandhi actually said it, but like he was asked, uh, what do you think of Christian civilization? And he said, I think it would be a wonderful idea. What do you think of the fair and equal rule of law? Sounds nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was but either Gandhi or Groucho Marx. It. Yeah. One of the two. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe both, maybe both. I don't know that we ever yeah. saw them together. Um, Right, so I don't know. I, I, it's, it's obviously, it's too early to. It's one of those things where all of the complaining about the unfairness of the trial, if Rittenhouse winds up getting um, rammed into a, a a legal wall, metaphorically, uh, may seem silly in context or in in retrospect. Or he may, this may be the thing that ignites a new wave of vigilantes showing up at protests with guns because yeah. he proves to be untouchable. Like really. With the of, big fear is that this don't will set know. a
5: precedent that yeah. will allow other people to use quote unquote self defense claims yep. in effort just to kill black activists, to kill activists on the left, to kill people wearing you know black hoodies and bandanas, right? Yeah, because that's, that's the that's the big fear out of this situation.
4: Because my my expectation is that if Rittenhouse gets off, um, or even just gets very minor, like if it's if he's if he's out of jail quickly within about six months, he's going to be a millionaire. Um, absolutely yeah that's the way the right wing works
3: I would gently ask you to think about what happens if he doesn't because if he's convicted we are going to see a deepening of the repression that is faced by everyone on the left as well we lose either way
4: yeah Yeah, no good choices on the table there's no winning I guess I think it, I mean, part of it, I guess, depends on on what he's convicted for, um, because uh, some of the stuff has I, I would. I, it seems to me some of the things he's charged with, if convicted, there's more potential negative implications across the political aisle than, than with others. Mm-hmm. Um, like if if it's ruled murder, I don't know, that feels less worries. I mean, th- th- I have some concerns about the crossing state line stuff. I don't know. I mean, none of it's. None of it's good. I guess where I am is I I I remember vividly how much the the situation on the ground changed after Kenosha, just in, in in Portland even. I mean Garrison can can back me up with this. They were there for that too. Like it was a it was a significant shift in the feeling of deadliness, you know, whenever there was a right wing left wing confrontation. Um yeah, and, and someone died
5: a, someone died a few days later.
4: Someone died a few days later in in a fucking gunfight. Um And I, I don't know. I don't know, Moira. Uh, I don't know. I I don't, I don't want Rittenhouse to get off scot-free for shooting three people. You're absolutely right. There's no, there's no winning with the legal system.
5: Uh,
4: The only way to
3: win is not to play.
4: The only way to win is not to play. So form your own breakaway civilization. Yeah. Escape. And, And also Gandhi. And Gandhi. Yeah. Uh, and and L. Ron Hubbard take to the sea. Yes. Yeah.
3: Always. Look, I don't. I don't think. That, um, I, I'm not looking for him to prevail on the self defense. Yeah. Um, I'm not like none of this is going to make me feel good. Right. Um, but I think that whether or not he is punished, whether or not he is convicted, there will be negative repercussions. Yeah. And all of those negative consequences will redound to the detriment of the people who are already facing the most intense federal repression.
4: Yeah, that is, I mean, and in fairness, like, this is the case of a child who killed two people and is now, we are determining whether or not this child will spend the rest of their life in a cell, None of this should make anyone feel good, no matter what happens. It's, it's a thoroughly I mean, it's bleak story. Tragic yeah, reaction. yeah, it's yeah. Because Both this kid like is there.
3: never going to have a chance to grow up and be like, oh, I was being like a horrible. No, person. Yeah. I don't. They'll,
5: ne- they'll, they'll never be be able to adjust to anything I, else, rather was, than being this person that like yeah. culturally has been created. Right? They are. They are like a yeah. cultural thing they are an item they're not a person anymore and they'll never be able to escape that
4: yeah I was a piece of shit when I was 17 and if I'd had access to an AR-15 and a chance to feel like a hero I might have done something horrific too and instead Um, you were
5: just doing sloppy steaks and it's fine
4: and now it's fine um (sighs) you watched I Think You Should Leave Moira I'm sorry? Have you watched I Think You Should Leave Moira? No oh it's good Good okay, <laughs> all right.
3: I'll check it out. Um,
4: um, I'll
3: I'll take a look.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, thank you, Moira. Uh, this is always appreciated. Um, You're it's good welcome. to. I don't know. Like, were you? We've talked a bit about anarchism. How many of how much how much of like your belief about the way the world ought to be and is came as a result of getting into the guts of the legal system.
3: You mean, did I become more devoted to anarchism yeah. when I went to law school? Yeah. Um, I didn't become less devoted to it. <laughs> Look, I, I remember when I was going to law school, people kept saying, oh, you're going to become really conservative. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think that's true. That seems seems fake. Uh, And in fact, I remember um, being in my criminal procedure class and just thinking, how in the world can anyone at any law school read Miranda, which is a case where someone is, you know, just horrifically abused by police in order to extract a statement? How could anybody read this case and not come out of law school with a deep contempt for law enforcement you know i know that it happens i don't know how yeah (laughs) always uplifting
4: yeah i mean it it is it's important to know you know i when i was when i was younger and poor uh and dealing with things like taxes i would often go like years without paying them and i would like ignore debts and bills until like, like my student loans, until it became like a serious problem. Cause I didn't want to look at it. I didn't even want to like, look at the, the scale of the issue and grapple with <laughs> it. I just wanted to run away from it. And when I actually like sat down and, and figured out my situation and, and like really came to understand like what, what I needed to do in order to deal with those problems, like it was stressful and it sucked and it was fucking days of work. But getting understanding the scope of the problem I'd gotten myself into was a necessary step to like fixing the situation. And I think the same is true with like this kind of shit. It's not fun. Nobody who is, I think, a reasonable person like wants to dig into the U.S. justice system and get into the guts of it because it's bleak as hell. But you need to because it's it's you can't escape it unless you flee the country and live in a place with no extradition treaties um, or international waters.
3: I feel like you're talking about a lot of the people you've profiled.
4: Yeah. In your uh, other
3: podcast.
4: I mean, Ecuador does sound nice.
3: I'm sure it's lovely this time mm-hmm. of year. Mm-hmm. And- um, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We need to be able to have A sort of clear eyed assessment so that we can accurately identify and effectively address the problems. Unfortunately, I think the problems are so um, all encompassing that I I don't know that there's. I would venture to say that there is not a real totalizing solution that doesn't involve total abolition
4: (laughs) Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Abolition but in the is, meantime, I mean, yeah.
3: we, I think there are there are things that we can do to yeah to advocate for our clients or yeah, and, my and clients. Things, I
5: guess.
4: As <laughs> um, an individual, you can do to protect yourself, and that's why it is important to have some sort of working understanding um, because you can keep yourself and the people around you at least somewhat safer if you do yes. understand the beast, um, even though your goal is to is to destroy it uh and that's I think the only reasonable goal when you really understand it it still behooves you to to understand it i mean it's the same with like it's the same with what what garrison and i do with the fucking nazis spending all this time in weird telegram channels like reading what they're trying to understand them because you do need to understand them to effectively combat them
3: well Um, it's not for the faint of heart no no i mean
4: what we're doing (laughs) yeah neither is what you do (laughs)
5: Um the message is, is that we're all well adjusted and we're all we're doing all, great. We're all doing we're sa- great. We're saving up for that boat. Nobody has any
3: secondary trauma.
4: No. There's no secondary trauma in international waters, Moira. I have that uh that, that that my my old friend LRH told me that.
5: Just you in the open
4: sea and a bunch of 20-year-olds searching for gold that I buried in a past life.
5: Oh, that does the sound dream.
4: fun. Yeah
3: he is both fascinating and terrifying
5: mm. yeah yeah um just just well, like her just like our legal system just and that like our legal and that, system and that wraps up this episode yeah
4: that brings us around um what moira do you have anything you want to plug any any place uh maybe our listeners could could send donations that would help somebody who's
3: throwing uh, themselves I... against
4: a wall at the moment.
3: Would certainly suggest that people look into whatever um, bail funds are local to them. There's one I know in New York called COVID Bailout NYC that's um, doing incredible work right now to get people off Rikers Island, uh, which is having a humanitarian crisis of just unbelievable scope. It sounds to me like the conditions on Rikers right now are at least as bad as the conditions that led to the Attica uprising. Um, So I would always, always um, direct people to give money to local bail funds. I also want to plug the National Lawyers Guild uh, Anti-Federal Repression uh, or Federal Defense Hotline, which is 212-679-2811. 212 679 2811. If you call that number, or you can call that number if you are having uh, unwanted contact with federal agents, and you can be advised by an attorney who is me about your rights and responsibilities with respect to um, federal agents, and I will try to uh, connect you with appropriate resources in your area. Um, this is not the hotline to call if you've been injured by a police officer. Um, This is the hotline Mm -hmm. to call if you have been visited by the FBI. Um, Don't talk to cops. If you are contacted by law enforcement, say I am represented by counsel. Please leave your name and number and my lawyer will call you. Uh, And remember that you cannot talk your way out of an arrest, but you can talk your way into a conviction.
4: All great points, all great things to be aware of. Speaking of great things to be aware of, be aware that we'll be back tomorrow, unless this is a Friday, in which case we'll be back next week from now until the heat death of the universe. Thank you so much, Laura.
2: You're so welcome. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Right Rug
5: Flooring.